Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis here from Spark Rental. Super glad to have you with us. And I am so excited to have Greg Butcher with us today. Greg was a Lieutenant Colonel in the US Marine Corps. He now invests full time in real estate through his business, Blue Sky Equity Partners. And he has a fascinating story to share with us from you know uh, service life in the Marines to real estate millionaire in the, in the private sector or you know in the civilian world. So Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, thanks for having me here, Brian. Yeah, so let's rewind the clock back to you're still an officer in the Marines, you know, uh, less than a decade ago. Uh, walk us through, you know, how you ended up uh, transitioning out of uh, the service and, uh, you know, how, how you got into real estate from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my actually, when I found real estate it was about two decades ago. Um, I was running a uh, reserve unit in Bakersfield, California, and I happened to buy um, my first house uh, thanks to the VA home loan program, which I never would have been able to do it before. It is fantastic. I never would have been able to do it without that, but I I did. And um, it was at, uh, you know, just a few years before the the crash of 08. So I bought the house in 2002, sold it in 2005, and I moved away again. Uh, in the meantime, while I was there, someone gave me the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad to read, which changed my life then. And like it probably has a lot of your listeners. Oh, yeah. The um, little purple book. Exactly. Exactly. So that opened my eyes like, huh, real estate. OK. And then I sold that house in 2005 and it had more than doubled in value uh, oh, in, wow. those three in three years. years. Yeah. Just what was happening in California, especially in the market those years, the early 2000s. Um, yeah, I made a killing off of it. So I'm like, yeah, give me some more of this real estate stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I had this idea to, uh, every time I moved duty stations, um, cause I didn't, I w- didn't feel like I was ready to get out yet at the time. I felt like I still had something left to do. Um, I wanted to buy a house when I moved duty stations and live in it. And then when I moved away again, buy a new one to live in and rent out the last one is a, and keep it as a rental and just add to my rental portfolio that way. Um, and so I did that until I moved to Germany in 2008, just before the bottom uh, dropped out of the market. And I realized this, there's this thing called a market cycle. And I right. just bought a couple of houses at the peak. So um, a few years later, I was back in California after finishing up that Germany tour. And I was trying to get back into real estate. I'd put it all on, on hold while I was in Europe because I just wanted to travel around and do everything I could while I was there and didn't really see how I could do it very easily from Europe. Um, so I was, I was trying to figure out how to make it scalable. That's what I couldn't figure out. How can I make this scalable? Because without making it scalable, this isn't going to change my life in meaningful way, the way I want it to, where I can, didn't have to work again after, uh, besides for myself, you know, after I retired off of active duty. And so I was really trying hard to figure that out. And that's when I found out about multifamily and about the power of investing through syndications. And those two things changed my life. And, um, you know, suddenly I realized this is much more scalable for get single family homes, at least for me. Uh, and, and that was my future. So that's how I got into it. I, well, at least how I heard about it. 
Um, right as I was retiring off active duty in 2015, I joined a, one of the, the well-known uh, multifamily um, syndication mentoring and educational programs. Uh, so I you know paid for for education and for, for mentorship uh, to compress timelines um, and and you know cut out a lot of mistakes, but that I would have made if I was just trying to do it all myself and learn on my own. Oh yeah, and and, uh, and and that's the rest is history. It took about a year of investing passively and going through the coursework before I. And meanwhile, I was moving back to uh, the coast from being out in the desert in, in California and. Uh, trying to get my first civilian job I'd had in 20 years and trying to enjoy being retired a little bit too. Um, but my second year in that program, I was like buckled down. I was like, okay, I need to, to sponsor a deal now. Um, and so I, it took a few months before I was able to find the right team and then find the right property. Uh, but we did in fairly short note, in short order, actually. So, Well, I, I want to dive in and learn more about that first deal. But before we do that, so did, did you get a full-time civilian job after you left the military? I did. And that's what I was hoping to avoid uh, with real estate, but um, I, I needed it for a while still. And, oh, sure. but, but, but what I did, you know, for, for needing one, I found about the best possible deal I could. Uh, I worked as a defense contractor for the, the organization that I had just retired out of actually um, oh. basically work, working for the person who replaced me <laughs> in that job. And it was it was completely telework, work from home, remote, and um, it was actually so hands off at the time. It was uh, it was it was damn near criminal. Uh, so it let me, <laughs> as long as I got my my projects done on time, no one knew or cared where I was in any given moment of the day. So I, I partnered up with a couple of guys in that program I mentioned um, who were based out of Dallas, and they had just closed their first deal in Norman, Oklahoma, which coincidentally is where I went to college. I, I grew up in Oklahoma and went to the University of Oklahoma. Um, okay. So, yeah, so um, they had deal flow coming to them in Phoenix, but no way to get out there to look at deals. And meanwhile, Phoenix was about the close. I was living in, in North San Diego County in California, um, which is a great place to live. But I'm not going to invest in California because one of my criteria yeah. is to invest in, in, in markets that have, um, you know, the, the, that uh, landlord tenant laws are, you know, oriented towards the landlords. Um, yep. And that's nowhere in the state of California. So Phoenix is about the closest market that made any sense for me to focus on. So I said, hey, I'm your guy. I have this job that is easy for me to get, to get in the car and drive to Phoenix to look at properties. I'll figure this market out. Let's do this. Uh, and so we did. And the rest is history. Just a, just a couple months later, we ended up um, like a, the third offer we sent in the third LOI. We ended up getting a, a 120 unit property under contract. So, yeah, well, that that for that. Yeah, that first civilian job, I guess only civilian job, really, <laughs> um, yeah. since you, you, you know, proceeded to then go off on your own. Uh, but that yeah. sounds like a really soft landing and an easy and smooth transition, you know, out of, you know, the public sector military life to, um, you know, private sector civilian life. Um, yeah, sounds like a perfect job and very flexible, uh, you know, a lot of freedom for you to pursue learning real estate syndication. Uh, why you why you still earned a full time salary, which is great. Uh, yeah, it, it absolutely is, and it's, it's funny when you said that. Just uh, you know, it made me realize we've been hearing a lot about soft landings recently. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but that was really a soft landing, especially because I besides the the W two income coming in, I had my my retirement pay started and everything like that, and and I so it really was a very easy transition for me. 
then and then when I decided to leave all the, the W-2 employment behind and, and work, you know, and focus on my business entirely, uh, still have the retirement pay coming in and everything like that. So it, it definitely is, um, you know, a little bit of added support that a lot of people don't have the luxury of. Yeah, no, that, that certainly helps, um, you know, adds a, an income floor and a little bit of cushion. Um, you know, in, in my marriage, my wife has a, I mean, she's a school counselor, so it, it's, a, it's a low ceiling for income, but she also provides a floor for our household income, which frees me up to do things like run an online business, right? right. <laughs> it has no floor at all, but it has a high ceiling. So uh, yeah, you know, anytime that you can you know, leverage those two things together, you know, have, a, have an income floor and then pursue something with, with no ceiling. Uh, it's a great combination. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so you worked this civilian job for just a year or two, it sounds like? No, it was about, um, about five years, actually. So oh, okay. I, yeah, I still did it for while a while. While you were still syndicating and, deals. Yes, while I was still syndicating deals. And, you know, I... I, I I would, I would, I did my work, got my projects done and I was, I could balance my time. If I was working on work long after actual working hours, it didn't matter as long as I was getting everything done, but it got to where I was burning the candle on at both ends. So I finally realized, you know, it's time to go ahead and, and, uh, you know, take the leap and, and make this work. Yeah. And that can be especially tricky when you have a family, um, which I understand that you do. So I, I do absolutely, but my my daughter and my stepdaughters are all they're in their twenties. They're out of the house except for one of us to move back into this recently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like we have little kids we're trying to support or anything like that. So uh, all things being equal, it's actually a fairly um, easy situation for us to try this with. Well, I love that you went out and got education, got mentorship, because you know when I was in my twenties and first started investing in real estate, I didn't do any of that stuff. I was young and dumb and, and thought I could, you know, go it alone and, you know, do it all myself. Uh, you know, the arrogance of youth, right? Right. <laughs> uh, I understand. So, you know, I, I tip my hat to you for having the maturity to say, you know what, I don't have to make all these expensive mistakes because someone else has already made them. <laughs> so I just need to pay them to, to, you know, help me avoid all that stuff and skip to the head of the line. So tell us about your, your mentorship program and, and how that prepared you for succeeding as a, as a syndicator and some of the expensive mistakes that you were able to avoid, you know, because you got that education. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I can certainly relate to, to what you just talked about because I did make do some things the hard way with single family homes when I first got started. So when I got into multifamily and realized I'm just going to be doing syndications that uh, it's not just my money at stake here. And now we're talking about bringing investors money into things too. I wanted to make sure I was doing things the right way and I was avoiding mistakes as much as possible. And I had, you know, someone who's very experienced um, guiding me. So uh, yeah, I, I joined that program. I'm still in that program. It's been eight years now. I'm actually a coach for a different program now uh, at the same oh, wow. time. So yeah, exactly. So um, that just, that, that clued me into all of the, the vast differences between single family and multifamily how to, to underwrite a property, how to organize and structure deals, all, all those different things, all the mistakes that can be made, um, the things that you can miss during due diligence um, with in writing contracts, uh, all, all kinds of different things. Um, you know, my, I'd say 
And, and of course, I continued to learn along the way, too. You know, I look back on the, the first couple properties and I realized that my capital expense budget was too low. Our, our whole team's capital expense budget for the property was too low and we didn't have enough built in to handle all the unexpected things that pop up long after your CapEx plan is done. Um, you know, your, your plan might be done, but for three, if you're holding the property for three, four five years, you're still going to have annual, you know, tree trimming, uh, Things you know, break. <laughs> parking lot maintenance. Yeah. Oh, all, yeah. Kind of stuff, all kinds of stuff that goes wrong, you know? And so you need to have an extra contingency uh, budget to, to handle those things. Otherwise you're going to be paying for things out of cash flow, And that's the last thing you want to do. You want to save that cash flow for, for your investor distrib distributions. So. Absolutely. So yeah. you've done seven, seven deals now. Is that right? Uh, eight total. I have seven that are still active and one of them's gone full cycle. Ah, yeah. I was just going to ask if any of them have gone full cycles. Yeah. Tell, tell us about how that deal that, that went full cycle. How did it go? Yeah, that was fit, went fantastic. That was that very first deal that I got in Phoenix in 2016. We held on to it for 28 months, uh, just under two and a half years. Um, and we exceeded our five year projections in less than two and a half years. So, oh, um, yeah, it was fantastic. We we did uh, we did value add work to renovate unit interiors. We were able to get rent bumps that way, but at the same time, we were able to capitalize off just the the, the markets. The entire market uh, rents were increasing everywhere at the time. So we certainly did our, our you know added value ourselves, but we were also is just the right time to be able to capitalize off uh, organic rent increases and also uh, cap rate uh, compression that was happening with the properties just becoming more and more valuable. So um, we were able to capitalize off of all of those things uh, by the time that we, we sold the property. Uh, and we, I think our, the uh, off the top of my head, the total return to investors was about 135% in less than two and a half years. So if they, if they invest $100,000, they got their principal back plus another 135,000 between the cash flow and the equity growth. That's phenomenal. That's great. Congratulations on that deal. Thank you so, very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So Blue Sky Equity Partners, so you're a syndicator. Uh, tell us about your niche in the market. You know, what do you guys look for? Is, you know, is there a geographical area that, that you uh, operate in? Uh, is there a specific type of multifamily property or other type of property that, that you specialize in? You know, tell us about your focus, your niche as a, as a syndicator. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Blue Sky Equity Partners, is, you know, we don't do deals completely on our own as a GP team. We, we do work with others right now. Um, to, to offer deals. Uh, so as far as my, my experience, I have been a GP on like a, a lead GP and an asset manager on deals in Phoenix and in Tucson, Arizona, uh, one in Fort Worth, Texas, and one in Denver, Colorado. Um, and I still have at deals active in, in all those markets right now. Uh, I've also been a, a co-sponsor, a little bit more in the backseat, not taking the lead on things on uh, a deal in Tucson and a couple deals in, in, in Houston. So really, I'm, I'm not looking to get out much, to expand much more outside those areas. Um, I still like Arizona for a lot of reasons, although it's taking, it's, uh, you know, taking a slight hit right now more than some of those other markets are, um, while the interest rates are, are going crazy. Uh, but I do think that it will recover from that uh, over the next couple of years, and it's still a great place to invest. Um, I also love how the property taxes and insurance are, are low there compared to a lot of other states uh, and property taxes are capped at 5% growth per year. So they're predictable. I've seen so many properties get in trouble in, in Texas, for example, 
because of unexpected increases in property taxes and insurance. Insurance is kind of a tough, tough deal right now uh, all over the country. So um, I'm really looking at staying in those areas. I, I like them because, you know, for those reasons I just talked about, also because I can get there easily either driving the car or through a direct flight. I've got relatives in Arizona um, that I go and visit whenever I'm there. So um, I really don't have a need to, to expand too much. Now, that said, if I, if I had the right offer from a, a potential partner, someone I knew had known for a long time and trusted, um, and they had, they, especially if they lived in the market, say for example, I was using this example with an investor earlier today, um, Nashville. Nashville is a great market. I'm not very knowledgeable on that market, but if I had a deal from a, a couple of guys I know who do invest there and live there, that might be something that I would potentially consider uh, joining forces on. So, no, that makes sense. So, you know, I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into something that you just touched on briefly there, uh, and that's insurance, but I want to give a little bit of context. So, you know, two years ago, no one was talking about interest rate risk, right? Uh, and then, of course, interest rates shot through the roof uh, because the, the Fed had to combat inflation. Uh, and now everyone takes in interest rate risk into account, right? In, in underwriting their deals. Uh, so, you know, we, in our investment club, we hear people say, oh, you know, but, you know, what about interest rate risk? And I'm like, that's a known risk at this point. Like, that's not what's going to bite you in a year and a half, two years from now. It's something yeah. else that none of us are talking about right now that's going to bite us, right? So I've, I've heard a couple of sponsors mention insurance risk as a risk that is emerging right now in the multifamily space. So first, I want to hear your thoughts on insurance and how to mitigate the risk of insurers, you know, doubling your, your costs or, or, you know, your premium costs or, you know, whatever uh, the, they may do to those, that pricing. Uh, and then hear about any other risks that you see in the multifamily syndication space that maybe none of us are talking about, but we should be when we're assessing risk in these deals. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, insurance is kind of crazy right now. And I, I literally just got an article in my inbox earlier this morning saying that the average policy is up 28%. Um, that was the headline. I haven't read the article to be fair. So I don't know if that's a year of year or compared to when, I don't know. Uh, but I have read some similar articles about this. Um, I had a, I have one, one property uh, that when we got an offer for our renewal this past year, um, it was for a 40% increase, uh, which we thought, which we thought this is ridiculous. So we started shopping it around. Um, it took till the last minute to get the offer that we were waiting for. Uh, and that was for a 130% increase. Wow. So needless to say, we went back to the 40% increase. Um, so it's insurance is tight all over the country right now. There's been a lot of uh, name storms that did a lot of damage, especially, I can't remember what, what it's called, but the one in, in Florida last year, uh, really, really bad damage. There's been a lot of, um, in the Denver area on the north side, there was a fire uh, that caused a lot of damage, wildfire. Uh, in California, there's been a lot of wildfires. Texas, there's continuous, um, you know, tornadoes and hailstorms and wind damage and stuff like that. It's another reason I like Arizona. Arizona doesn't have much in the way of natural disasters. They don't have uh, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, sometimes just a haboob windstorm during the monsoon season in the summertime. Um, and that's about it. 
which is why insurance is a lot, lot lower there. Uh, as far as what people can do about it, a lot of it is that I can think of off the top of my head is uh, in your buying criteria. Um, a lot of it's the older properties that are seeing the, the largest jumps that I, for at least what I've heard and what I've seen. Um, I know of a, an insurance, uh, an insurance carrier in that is active in Arizona that is doing anything that can to uh, deny uh, new coverage for any property older than 1985. Um, wow. So it kind of so it kind of goes back to your buy box. You know, where are you looking to buy? What are your what are your criteria um, and, and all that? Uh, as far as what you can do, um, get find a good a good creative uh, insurance broker for one thing. That'll help you a lot. Um, but then you know you can you you can. I'll always see uh, try things about increasing your deductible. That is an option. Of course, you have to have the reserves to be able to support that. Um, you can go to your property management company, and sometimes your property management company will have um, like a blanket policy uh, that they can they utilize with uh, a certain carrier uh, that they can offer to all of the properties that they manage. Um, and I've, I have not had experience with that, but I've heard about that as a technique from people who are more active in Texas than I am, for example. And we do have a property who the, our property management company is just um, investigating that right now. I've got a call a couple of days from now about that, actually. So work with your mortgage broker, or I'm sorry, your property, bro your insurance broker on what the possibilities are. When we got that quote for 40% uh, increase on that one property, and it was because it, part of it was they wanted us to do something ridiculous. They wanted us to um, install a centrally uh, wired uh, smoke detector system across the entire property uh, to be able Sounds to expensive. Be, yeah, exactly. And it's not something you do in a mid 1970s property. Uh, you right. just, it, that wasn't code. And, and, and when we reached out to the local fire department to ask about you know a suitable options for doing this, they're like, why the heck do you want to do that? You know, they're just like scratching their heads of why. Um, so it, it's just, it was a bad kind of situation to begin with. Are there any other risks that you see in multifamily that maybe no one's talking about right now, but maybe they should? Well, what we're also seeing right, a lot uh, right now is increases in uh, payroll. That's, that's one of the big ones. Um, just due to the normal inflation that has happened over the last few years, you know, the rents are coming back under control. In most places, they have, are stabilized or still increasing, but they're just increasing more slowly. There are right. a few markets out there where they're declining just a little bit, not, not you know, not a whole lot, but the market as a whole, just taking a tiny bit of a dip. Um, but meanwhile, the expenses are still increasing. Um, insurance is a big one. Property taxes is a big one. But uh, also just things like payroll, you know, as, as everyone's income catches up to all of the inflation that's happened over the last few years, we're going to have to pay our, our people more, um, especially with low uh, unemployment right now. It's right. if you want, if, market. exactly. If you want quality employees, you're going to have to pay them for it. You know, you've got to pay them what they're worth. So uh, you have to have the budget for that. So there's, it's kind of a weird situation right now where some, uh, some of our expense increases are, can be larger than our, um, than our rent increases. It won't always stay that way, but for a couple of years, uh, that's, that's more common than not. No, that makes sense. Well, I wanna be respectful of your time here, but I wanna also hear more about what you guys are doing with, uh, with Blue Sky Equity Partners 
what, where can people connect with you and, and learn more about what you're doing? And, and do you have any freebies that you can give to our audience members? Yeah, absolutely. So um, just due to my own background, we work uh, as much as heavily as possible uh, with, with the veteran community, but not exclusively with the veteran community. So that's just kind of who we're more aligned with. Um, so sure. uh, people can find us on our website, which is Blue Sky. It's B, no E in it, but if you put the E in, they'll still redirect to the right spot. So B-L-U-S-K-Y-Equity.com. Uh, there is a there will be a pop up if you go there offering a free webinar that we have uh, titled How to Recession Proof Your Retirement with Hands Off Commercial Real Estate Investing. Um, and that's what we talk to people about all the time is just the power of passive investing. You know, when I got into investing in single family homes, uh, as I was moving around, I realized I still had to put more work into it than than I expected to have to, even though I had a property management company. Um, and for people who just really want to do their jobs and don't want to have, they, they want the income, but they don't want to have to manage the properties. They don't want to have to do a lot of extra work. They have, they're raising families and they just prioritize their free time and their family time over these kinds of things. Then passive investing is a really fantastic opportunity that makes a lot of sense for people. No, I love that. Uh, and I love the fact that you guys are serving a, a military veteran community as well. It's, it's often an underserved community. So uh, no, that sounds great. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and talking with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brian. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, uh, you guys, we will catch you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, stay in touch. Support at sparkrunnel.com. Let us know what you want to hear more about, and we will catch you on the flip side. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.